Hi, I'm Gary, and this is episode 71 of EV Musings, a podcast about renewables, electric vehicles, and things that are interesting to electric vehicle owners. On the show today, we'll be looking at broken chargers. Nobody likes it when a charger doesn't work, but why do they stop working, and how can you fix them? And how do we stop this happening in the first place? Before we start, I wanted to bring everybody up to date with a change to the Patreon offering. As of last week, every episode of the podcast will, where possible, be available for early listening by VIP and all access patrons. They'll get to hear the episode on Sunday evening rather than Monday evening. Additionally, the same patrons will also get access to additional post-credits parts of the podcast, where I will occasionally talk about other topics for a few minutes. In this week's episode, we'll be talking about the price rise by BP Pulse, formerly BP Chargemaster, on their 150 kilowatt high power chargers. Our main topic of discussion today is broken chargers. As I said in the episode with the ChargePoint operators, one of the two main problems I really have with chargers is turning up to a unit and finding that it's not working. With the current offerings by the majority of ChargePoint operators, this means that if you're at a single unit location, you're not going to be able to get a charge. That's why everyone wants more chargers at each location, although this doesn't always guarantee availability and we'll talk about that a little later. ChargePoint operators don't want to just put one charger in a location, they'd like to put as many as possible, but there are limitations about why they can't. In many cases it's to do with money, in some cases it's to do with usage, and in other cases it's because they can more easily put two chargers in nearby locations than multiple chargers in one location. But regardless of why they do it, we're in a situation where the chances of turning up to a single broken charger are higher than we might like. This was highlighted by three fairly high profile instances on Twitter recently. James Coates from James and Cade arrived at Instavolt's 8 charger hub at Banbury to find none of the chargers able to accept contactless payment due to a comms issue. Robert Llewellyn released a video of the new Fiat 500e on fully charged and as part of that he tried to charge it at a rapid and the charge failed to initiate. The Porsche Taycan that we mentioned in a recent newsletter that took 9 hours to do 150 miles encountered several rapids in the Bournemouth area that were out of order. Now if we look at the underlying issues it indicates that there are a number of reasons why a typical charger will not charge and they are basically broken hardware, payment slash comms issues or handshake issues. I want to go through each of these in turn and talk about why this happens and how you can deal with it. Firstly, broken hardware. This is actually one of the least common problems with chargers. Unfortunately, broken hardware is also one of the hardest to fix. The main culprits for broken hardware are connectors that are broken. This is particularly apparent on chargers which have long cables and multiple connectors. I'm looking at you, Ecotricity. With the long cables, it's far too easy to just drop the cable on the floor and damage the connector or land it in a puddle or jam the locking mechanism. Each of these means an engineer will need to come out and either replace or repair the hardware. This could be something that takes a day or it could take several months. There were rumours that the DBT chargers used by Ecotricity needed parts imported from Japan when something went wrong. Uh, this sort of issue doesn't happen with petrol pumps because you have to replace the nozzle correctly in the holder to stop the session so you can pay. Unfortunately, chargers don't work that way. A lot of the issues encountered by the Taycan driver on her 150-mile journey were hardware issues. My local Morrison's installed a 50 kilowatt GD point charger recently. It worked for about two days, 
Since then, the power's been out and it's still waiting an engineer to come and fix it. Next, comms issues. These are actually quite commonplace. For most networks, if the charger can't communicate with a central service, it goes offline. Ecotricity is an outlier on this in that if the charger can't communicate with the server, it will default to free vend for the customer. Now, we like this, but there are also comms issues that cause payment validation problems. In theory, every new charger installed should give users the ability to pay for the charge on an ad hoc basis under law. This might be via contactless, or it might be via a QR code that allows you to enter payment details on your phone. Either way, having good communication between the device and the network is key. Often though, this can be flaky. The issue James Coates had with the eight Instavolt charges not accepting payments was comms related. Personally, I've been at the Polar Hub at Milton Keynes and had to persuade a new EV driver that using the Polar Instant app was probably harder than just waving a credit card at the device. The Polar Instant app was just hanging as it tried to communicate with the charger. Finally, handshake issues. When we chatted with Dr Ewan McTurk in episode 61, he gave us his thoughts on the CCS standard and the problems that arose from it. Uh, CCS is being foisted upon us despite the fact that it's not currently able to do vehicle-to-grid charging and despite the fact that the protocol is so loosely defined that you've seen the likes of the Jaguar I-PACE and even Teslas having compatibility issues with older charge points. Um, This is because, unlike CHAdeMO, that is rigorously defined, uh, CCS is kind of like they've given you the ingredients to make a cake but not the recipe. One of the downsides to the CCS standard is a looseness in the definition of the standard, and this means that each car can implement the standard in a slightly different way, as can each make of charger. The result of this is issues with the handshake on the chargers. The handshake is that part of the charging process which occurs after connection and before charging actually starts, where the car and the charger communicate with each other to establish a valid link. That was the issue Robert Llewellyn had with the Fiat 500e in his fully charged video. So, how do we fix broken chargers? Well firstly, you need to try and find out what's actually broken. If you get there and there's no power, the screen's unresponsive, or dead, or there's an error message on it, chances are it's a hardware issue. Make sure you call the helpline for the charge company and let them know. If there's too long a delay in answering, get onto Twitter and let them know about the issue. Tweet them or DM them with the charger ID, the location, and the nature of the fault. Then head to your backup charger. You do have a backup, right? One problem you'll see quite often is that the emergency stop button has been pushed by the previous user. Firstly, make sure you pull it out or twist it to reset and call the company to reboot the device. That might solve the issue. However, some devices need a manual reset at the pump by an engineer. Jonathan Porterfield from ecocars.net has a solution to that. And this chap from the council came, opened up this big cabinet with what's called an electronic uh, an electrician's panel key, which is just a key with a fancy triangle in the middle, you can buy them from any hardware shop, opened up the cupboard and turned it back on. And shook the cupboard and shook her hands and drove <laughs> off. And we waited an hour and a half for this. And it was going to be a week on Tuesday before some other technical bloke came. So needless to say, and this is going on the record, I've got myself a little panel key. And I've used it countless times where I've turned up to a charger with no power. I've opened up the box, I've flicked the switch, and it works. Now, when you talk to Charge Place Scotland, ooh, you better not do that. You know, you're going to kill yourself, get electrocuted. We'll send a specialist team out a week on Tuesday 
to do exactly the same thing. Obviously, we don't recommend doing this unless you've been shown what to do and how to do it. This can be very dangerous in high-powered chargers, but it works for JP. For payment and comms issues, the solution is not straightforward. In theory, all new units should enable ad hoc payments without needing to register. But if the unit's an older one that hasn't been upgraded, you'll be stuck using an RFID fob or an app. For units that are located in out-of-the-way places, network coverage might be flaky, resulting in issues initiating a charge. You have a couple of options. Try a different payment method, or call the helpline and ask them to help. And this applies especially if the contactless payment doesn't work or the app won't respond. If you're on the Poly network and you've initiated your charge using Apple Pay as a contactless method on your phone, the charge unfortunately cannot be stopped by using Apple Pay. Uh, this is due to a quirk in the way Apple Pay handles transactions and the way Polar tracks charges. Basically, the Polar system can't determine that the device that initiated the charge is the same as the one that tries to terminate it. And because it needs the same device for both initiation and termination, it won't do anything. To stop a charge in this case, call the Polar Helpline. Do not press the emergency stop button. Handshake issues are the third thing to look at. The simple and unavoidable fact is that handshake issues are unpredictable. Uh, podcast co-founder Simon had problems with his i3 originally when charging using the Ecotricity devices. On other networks devices, he didn't have an issue. Likewise, it generally only happens on CCS-equipped cars rather than Chadamo. In reality, any CCS charger can have handshake issues with any type of unit but a different car with the same CCS connector might not have an issue with the same device. The i3 that has an issue with the Ecotricity DBT units might not have handshake issues with the VFIL units that Instavolt tend to use. This was also the case with the iPACE. It couldn't charge from the Ecotricity DBT units, but it could charge from the Instavolt units. If you have a handshake issue, i.e. the charge fails to initiate on your car, disconnect the connector and try again. This is what Robert Llewellyn did with the Fiat 500e, and it worked. Try holding the connector in the charge port while the handshake takes place and pushing it firmly in. Sometimes the weight of the cable can cause the connection to not be as tight as it could be and the handshake won't work. If this doesn't work, try a different type of charger, i.e. if you're using the Polar 50kW chargers, try Osprey. Or if you're using Ecotricity DBT chargers, try Polar. Hopefully that solves it. Of course, in an ideal world, we'd have units that are reliable, don't break, don't have comms issues, and always do a good handshake. In reality, hardware will always break, especially if things like connectors are mistreated. Comms issues are a matter of course, and have been since phones and wireless communication came into being. And handshake issues will always occur as new cars and new chargers are rolled out, and the protocols are tightened up. This is one of the vagaries of the public charging network that we'll definitely need to improve as we go on. In my discussion with Tom Callow from BP Chargemaster, he mentioned that Polar are upgrading the software in their machines to allow customer support to provide more options to try and fix charger issues without needing to call an engineer. They've also recently updated the welcome screen to display a message asking users not to press the emergency stop button unless it is an actual emergency. And this will cut down on the number of callouts needed to reset machines and increase the availability of the network as a whole. Finally, please remember, when you finish your charge, put the cables back. Don't drop them onto the floor, into puddles, run over them with your car, or generally mistreat them. 
That way lies pain and madness. It's time for a cool EV or renewable thing to share with you listeners. Hydrogen-powered trains are now a thing. Two years ago, German company Elstrom created the Coradia Eilint train, which was approved for use in the German region of Lower Saxony. Now, it's just received approval for use in Austria. The jury is still out on whether hydrogen is the solution for trains. Uh, Dr McTurk thinks that, at least in Scotland, electrification of the train lines is entirely possible without hydrogen. Links to his Plug Life television manifesto are in the show notes. Remember that even hydrogen-powered vehicles need actual batteries in them to store the electricity that's created by the hydrogen fuel cell, and to store any that's regenerated from braking. The Caradia Island train stores hydrogen in tanks on the roof, which link to roof-mounted fuel cells to convert the hydrogen and air to electricity and water. The electricity is then stored in batteries under the carriage and used to power the traction motor. Specifically designed for operation on non-electrified lines, it enables clean, sustainable train operation while ensuring high levels of performance. Great work, Alstrom. And that's the show for today. Hope you enjoyed listening to it. All access and VIP patrons, please stay tuned for some post-credits goodness where we're talking about BP Chargemaster's high-powered charging price rise. If you want to contact me, please use EV Musings Twitter account Musings EV or I can be emailed at evmusings at gmail.com. If you want to support the podcast and the newsletter, please consider contributing to become an EV Musings patron. The link is in the show notes. If you want a quick reference ebook to read on your Kindle, I wrote a little something called So, You've Gone Electric. It's available on Amazon Worldwide for the measly sum of 99p or equivalent, and it's a great little introduction to living with an electric car. At the moment, it's free on Kindle Unlimited, or if you're in the Kindle Lending Library, please check it out. Links for everything we've talked about in the podcast today are in the description. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe. It's available on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave a review as it helps raise visibility and extend our reach in search engines. Thanks, as always, to my co-founder, Simon. You know, he called up the guys who make his electric skateboards, told them he wanted to add some sort of speed boost to it, said he wasn't falling off it enough and he felt the need, the need for speed. They asked him what exactly he wanted to do and he told them, I'm going to add a CCS port so I can use a Tesla supercharger to recharge. They said, oh, you better not do that. You know, you're going to kill yourself, get electrocuted. We'll send a specialist team out a week on Tuesday to do exactly the same thing. Thanks for listening. Bye.